Babies, it's Maya with Literal Thoughts Radio. Literal Thoughts. Since the dawn of time, I have been called a hoe, slut, thought, and I decided, you know what? If I'm going to be called a thought, I'm going to be a literal thought. Who's the finest of them all? And show the world that there is more to a person than just being a sexual being. Yes, our sexuality empowers us, but it is only one of our layers. We are creative, we are artistic, we are multi-talented people. On this show, I will bring out many guests that are just as sexy, smart, and badass. Shout out to Tastemakers Radio. Tastemakers Radio. Dash Radio and the homie True. If you want to follow me, my Instagram is at M-A-Y-A underscore L-Y-N-N-E. And the magazine Instagram is at L-T underscore Z-I-N-E. What's up, Thoughts? Thank you all for returning today to hear episode three of Literal Thoughts Radio. I hope everyone has been having a great week. I hope everyone got their stimmies and had a very good St. Patrick's Day yesterday. And if you're hungover, I promise you this episode will cure your hangover and at least leave you in a better mood, hopefully hornier too. To begin, Tate is a mistress of Exotica, slut-shamed, Instagram band artist, and mom to the infamous bear. Hey Maya, thank you so much for having me. Of course, I love that we can do this, you know, through the phone, through FaceTime. You know, nothing's going to stop us from talking, so. Nothing at all. Yeah, it's about (laughs) time you came on. Um, The last time we spoke was on my magazine, and we actually were catching up about your new ventures. You were leaving Miami, you were leaving the art industry, and you were now becoming a director in the porn industry. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh my gosh. Okay, so that was at the end of 2019? Was it? Yes, it was. I thought it was early 2020, but you're right. It was before. It was the very end of 2019, perhaps. But either way, wow, so much has happened in this last year, Um, obviously, for everyone. uh, But specifically... The yeah. thing that we talked about being a potential has started to happen. So yeah, I'm happy to share with you what's what's gone on so far. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people. I can't imagine where everyone was at in that time, December twenty nineteen. Like all the stuff we thought we were going to be able to do, we had no idea. We had no idea what was about to happen. And, like, this this idea of, like, you can do anything and life is yours and, like, that kind of being, like, well, only so much, you know? We're all kind of these, like, small beings on Earth and we are subject to whatever may happen, whether it's pandemic or natural disasters. Um, but, yeah, I was really admiring where you were going when we last sp- spoke because you were going in this direction that I think requires a lot of bravery. Um, I don't think a lot of people... Um, glorify going into the sex industry. I also don't think that coming from the art industry, people have a lot of respect for it, you know? So I really thought that what you were doing was something that was going to, like, reclaim what people's perceptions were 
especially because you were such a like such an important character in the art industry in my opinion meeting you and watching you hold the hold down the show and keep things running for these different galleries creating events that were really popular that you know people wanted to go to and people were making plans to go to that's not um that's not a magic that everyone has you know so you were really just such an important figure in these galleries and so I'm so excited that you finally began doing and creating what you actually want to do and what you really love um tell me about that like what was the first beginning stages like after moving from Miami where did you go what was it like okay well first I'm gonna say that's all really kind of you to say and I agree that most people would see somebody working in a quote-unquote legitimate industry which I could do a whole other episode on that regarding the art industry right right Um, but we'll skip that for now for now Um, from going from a legitimate industry into what's deemed as sex work Mm -hmm. and I think that there's a lot of ingredients that go into making somebody who would want to do that. And one of them is certainly having been there before. So I was very excited by this idea of taking the knowledge and experience that I had in other aspects of sex and intimacy work and merging it with my experience in the art industry, which both have gone back through most of my life to being a teenager. Yeah, you've always been involved in both. You were a model growing up as well. How was that? How did that come into play with like what you wanted to do with your life and how you saw your like future growing as a kid coming from modeling, you know, that's kind of a linear direction, but you actually went into other ways. I actually had a really important kind of mental breakdown breakthrough. Right. I love those breakthrough, breakdown, break it, break it. (laughs) But I, I recently kind of objectively had myself understand that when I was a child, I got my first modeling agent. I, I was 15. So that is, as we all know, below the age of consent. (laughs) And it's, it's interesting to start in an adult industry as a teenager. Mm -hmm. And before I ever even had sex with anyone, I was posing in lingerie and bathing suits next to half naked men. Mm hmm. Right, it's acceptable in those contexts of modeling. In the whole world of modeling, it's acceptable to do these things that otherwise would be very questionable or inappropriate. Right, and so in many ways, I see the entirety of my career as somewhat of a linear projection. Like, if you start off at age 15 modeling underwear, you're probably (laughs) still going to be modeling underwear. (laughs) At age... 45 teen or whatever which is not how old I am but (laughs) (laughs) no you're not 45 teen that's not a number kids um yeah no I think it's true and it's very it's like everything kind of intertwines I think sex is underlying under many different industries 
for many different aspects of different careers. And it's always been something that's a part of everything, but it's because we, like, as a society have, like, made it taboo. It seems like it's not, but it so is in your face once you look at it. Um, yeah, and I love how you intertwined your modeling past and your artistic creative side, and then you began to venture into taking it into your own hands and, like, creating. What I love the most is the sex industry is obviously growing and changing, but it still is a male-dominated, patriarchal-started industry and like I think women need to take that space you know not ask for it but take it and I love that you have that drive what was the beginning stages of your you know venture into it like absolutely thank you I I really had this idea in my head that being behind the camera was gonna transform my understanding of being in front of the camera and so it wasn't my exact goal to go ahead and continue my modeling career. Mm-hmm. It's kind of more of an incidental. Right. <laughs> um, so I really, I really started this with the desires and dreams of growing as a director and a filmmaker and a photographer and having the opportunity to conceptualize sexy scenarios and make them really aesthetically valuable as well as emotionally honest right and something that is actually appealing to others and from a woman's point of view from a queer person's point of view things that are actually pornographic to us and maybe less you know just disturbing as some of the things that i've seen um (laughs) talk about disturbing yeah Yeah, i think (laughs) I think that there's so much of this new ability for people to access sex work. Mm -hmm. Um, With OnlyFans, it's become kind of like the McDonald's of sex work. Mm -hmm. Like, you you can get on there and take pictures of whatever you want, and there will be, you know, usually some sort of an audience for it. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, what I see a lot of the times is that girls will start an OnlyFans and then become directed by their fans. Yeah, that does happen a lot. I've noticed that too. I was just watching a documentary. I think some people maybe have seen it. It's on like Netflix or something. But it wasn't the best one. Not to be rude, but I'm just going to be honest. It wasn't like the best one. I know I have a lot of friends who have OnlyFans and, you know, different degrees of it with success. And it did seem like most of them have to, they tend to cater to the audience because that's their source of income and that's like the money Mm -hmm. that they receive. And then I think there's just different pathways to use it as like a content creator. How do you use it for yourself? So it's really difficult to maintain a creative vision when you are having input from so many other people. My opinion is that if you are an artist and what you are making is valuable to you because you're making it, then you actually won't be able to function in the other paradigm. Mm -hmm. For me, the whole joy of venturing into this line of work was to conceptualize videos learn how to shoot, learn how to light, learn how to edit. Um, The part of it that's 
the least fun for me is actually, you know, the advertising on social media mm. and with people who want things. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the worst thing about all of this, about the current state of the world with technology is like having to sell yourself constantly. It's exhausting and you get lost in catering to others. I think to add to your point on how your direction is a little bit different, I do notice that you kind of are the choice, you know, you're the one who's providing what the skills or what the specialties might be. Um, I know feet were one of your specialties. Tell me about that. (laughs) So, feet are so near and dear to my heart. If anybody has seen issue 11 of Literal Thoughts, they will have seen my collage. (laughs) Feet love. The fetish. Yes, yes. Um, I actually, I don't think enough people talk about this because it is the number one fetish right and it's stigmatized as something dirty totally stigmatized and i haven't met any other women quote unquote who feel this way i know and so it's really fun to be an anomaly at least be an out anomaly you know i'm i'm sure that's the thing is you're kind of the pioneer of being out about it because i have so many friends I know that sell feet pictures and it can't be that disturbing or that gross if you're doing it all the time. It's just kind of something you don't talk about, you know, right. and it's like that degree of like shame. It's like, it's just not really talked about, but you know, none of you have a problem with it either. Well, and so yeah, there's two aspects to it. There's, am I okay with providing someone else this fetish, which is that question was answered for me so long ago. I was a dominatrix in LA from 2016 through 2017. And I, that is actually where I came across feet for the first time, of course. <laughs> Your talent. Were you scouted? <laughs> I, I actually kind of was. I was working as a sub, as a submissive mm-hmm. in the Dominion. I don't even know if it's still running, but it was at the time the oldest, longest running um, dungeon in Los Angeles and in in the U.S. at the time. Wow. Uh, and so the whole game of working in a commercial dungeon is that if you aren't a, an individually established dom, they only will hire you as a sub, mm. and you have to work your way up. You have to prove yourself. You have to prove yourself. You have to show that you understand all of the tenets of BDSM. You have to show that you can offer the respect that you're then going to demand, you know? Yeah, I kind of like that idea. It's like, if you want a sub, you should at least, like, become, like, know what one is first, firsthand. Exactly. And so, myself, I've always identified personally as a switch. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I really, I did that bdsmtest.org or whatever recently i'm a hundred percent switch (laughs) i i don't need a test to tell me that but same (laughs) i'm totally a switch it's really something i think it depends on the person or my mood of course it's it's always situational right who fucked me over that week what what is my beef that week is there drama that i need to release in a therapeutic submissive way or in a therapeutic dominating way, you know? 100%. So, as a sub, um, you're not supposed to receive foot worship Mm. because that's 
that's um, a submissive thing to do is to worship feet. So I actually got in trouble my first week at the dungeon because I didn't know this yet. And some client had gotten me into the room and once I took my heels off, he was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. He fell in love. And so that's kind of, that was my first experience of having anybody focus on feet at all. Right. And it was exhilarating and it felt all sorts of ways. And I was like, okay, this is a really interesting, like, sensual experience. Yeah. Our dynamic and I continued to have a lot of clients who were into feet and I I loved that for them I didn't really quite understand for myself until I got a girlfriend with very unique feet mm. <laughs> and that is when I realized that I myself <laughs> was, was an admirer yes yes go off yeah. Can't wait for my first foot. Feet are all right, <laughs> but I don't think I've had like love at first foot yet. Maybe one day. Oh my god, yeah. Jackie, wherever you are, <laughs> I hope you're listening. You've got the best feet. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, Jackie. It's life changer. Her feet are actually in the collage in the in the in, yeah. <laughs> so she's a reoccurring muse. We love to see it. Absolutely. So yeah, once I realized that I wanted to stick girls' feet in my mouth and <laughs> other things, um, my own foot fetish was such a boon to my practice as a dominatrix, actually, because I feel like so much of what I really was in the industry to do was to, you know, relieve shame and provide pleasure and help people to explore. And so I think that taking that and using it as kind of like a, a quirk that not only like sets me apart, but really does inspire me. And so I think it's important for if anybody is going to be making content to have a unique perspective that they really look inside themselves to find. Because if you have something that's genuine, that sparks you, other people are going to be attracted to that. Yeah, definitely. It should be genuine and it should be complimentary, complimentary of, you know, your strong suits and what you're genuinely interested in or else why would anyone else want to watch it unless you're their puppet and doing what they ask all the time, which there's nothing wrong with that, you know, that's also no. a kink in some people's world. But if it's not your thing and you want to create your own content and maybe not have to cater to the audience, but have the audience come to you, I -huh. agree with that. I think that's a great words of advice for anyone creating content on OnlyFans or at all. Um, when you first started creating content on OnlyFans, not only were you modeling yourself, um, but you were also working with others. What was it like reaching out to others? How did you connect with other women and others that were interested in doing sex work and, you know, filming OnlyFans content? Yeah. So just to bring it back to when we first started talking about this, we didn't know that there was going to be a pandemic when I decided that I wanted to start directing. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so I was, I was more prepared to enter a more traditional route of kind of going into 
existing collectives and seeing what people were doing and trying to get involved that way. Um, Mm -hmm. But no, (laughs) that is just not how it worked out. I actually found the models that I worked with last year on Tinder. Right. It's a great platform to meet people if you use it the right way. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. And what was it like filming with some of those girls and what was the content that you created for them? I know one of your spreads will be in the next issue of the magazine so they can look Yay! out for there. Yeah, I think it's really cool that you're, you know, making a comfortable and safe space for other girls because, yeah, not everyone has the... Some people might be better at starring as in, in front of the camera and some people might be better behind it. <laughs> So the fact that you do feel strongly about being behind the camera and what you can contribute to the betterment of content and bringing that for other girls or other people that want to produce and have content out but aren't as comfortable behind the camera, how did that go? And, like, did the women or did the others, like, follow your direction really well? Um, what is it? What is kind of the – what is something to, like, to look forward? What's, like, a little sneak peek of what's going to be in the issue? Well, in the issue are stills and extra photographs from the first conceptual video. That was the seance video. Yeah, that was the first conceptual video I released. And that includes both of the models I was working with at the time. I would say that helping other people learn how to model is the most rewarding way that I've used my experience in front of the camera. Just watching people become more confident and comfortable and helping them to see a version of themselves that they like uh, feels amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. (laughs) And I think that goes for so many other aspects of life too, like just empowering one of another and sharing their strong suits Um, I think it's also hard to be comfortable. I mean, obviously, it's one of those industries where you just have to dive in and you can't really be too concerned about who's watching you if you're if you are being filmed. Um, But I do think there is a sense of safety that comes with, you know, having another woman or queer person directing you, Um, someone that you admire and you think is beautiful and watching having taking their pointers and their tips on how you can improve what you look like in front of the camera. Uh Um, Those are all largely beneficial and empowering, especially to sex workers and to OnlyFans content creators that are, you know, basically doing it on their own. And they Uh don't really have a guidebook or, you know, you can't Google how to make great content on OnlyFans and like how you can Google like how to be a bartender in an hour. You know, it's not the typical job. So I think it's great that women can reach out to other women and not only have to put themselves at the hands of who they think their target audience is, which is like, you know, cis men and things like that. Um, It's actually like broadening the content that's being put out there, which is amazing. And I love to see it. Um, Thank you. You touched on something super important that I just want to bring up really quick. It was actually back in LA when I was doing the Dom work that I discovered how crucial absolutely necessary it is for sex workers to find community with each other right 
And it's only become more difficult Mm -hmm. now that we're all physically separated. But Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of the stigma has been lifted because of OnlyFans going mainstream. Right. And so if we're willing to reach out to each other and lift each other up, it's totally available. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, I literally used to meet in a tiny conference room in like off of a food court with five other sex workers. <laughs> Somewhere sketchy and like you barely, that's so, it's almost so hard to find the others. Yeah, I definitely think when it comes to sex work, it can be tricky too because a lot of girls, you know, have distrust in each other with, you know, good reason. Um, then you can, sometimes there's drug use involved and that can affect, you know, the professionalism aspect of working with others. Um, I also, you know, it's unsad but true, sex workers outing other sex workers, you know, there is the there is the um, the necessity for privacy for some people who are sex workers, and it's hard to see hatred within your own community, it's hard to see drug use or, you know, mistrust in your own community, but I think it's beautiful that there is one, and I do hope that it moves in the direction where women and other sex workers and days and thems, anyone is actually lifting each other up and reaching out to each other to create more content for each other. Representation is really important. Um, yeah, tell me more about some of the projects that you've got involved in. I know that you recently have been more involved with Suicide Girls. Do you have any upcoming projects with them? So my first set with suicide girls is going to be released on april 12th Woo! congratulations <laughs> april 12th people you heard it here first. um Amazing. i had the distinct honor of being shot by malu uh she is an og suicide girl model and like the main la photographer uh i was very lucky to be introduced to her by a personal friend and i don't even know why. I think because she's just so beautiful and really cool and talented. I didn't even think she was going to want to shoot me. (laughs) Uh, When it's like that and you're like in awe of them and they somehow are like, no, you. And you're like, wait Uh a second. This doesn't make sense. (laughs) I love that feeling. A cosmic connection, kind of. That was one of the most beautiful Actually, I'm just going to go ahead and say that was the best time I've ever had strictly in front of the camera. <sighs> See, and it's it's beautiful. It's because maybe in that aspect to her being a woman also adds on to that. Her she's a woman. His- she's a model. She's mm-hmm. an artist. She's a freak. Like, right. I love it. And she has history, like, she's been doing it for a while, you know. She's not no amateur. She's professional. No, she's 100% professional so talented has everything on lock and is also just incredibly sweet and complimentary like she obviously knows how to work with models as well and i after having started the venture of directing others it was such a pleasure to be directed by a woman i admired who had been doing so much longer that's amazing i'm really happy you had that experience and that suicide girls is going to be publishing you would we be looking for that on their website yes okay and that's april 12th yes and okay. i will be published that as well when it when it comes i'll i'll push yeah speaking <laughs> of so you quickly climbed to the top 3.5 percent of only fans and you were able to sustain yourself off the the success and the income that you were making 
um, what happened with that and what interrupted your ability to put out content. Um, I know recently you were severely affected and I just wanted to bring that to light so people know where you've been and where you will be. (sighs) Okay, so this is an incredibly important PSA. Like if anybody who's listening to this doesn't listen to anything I've said, this this is the one. My, the beginning of my career with OnlyFans was shut down within two, two months, was shut down within two months um, with Instagram's change of service. Uh, wow. Yeah. So I woke up the day after Christmas to be alerted that I had been deleted. From Instagram, they deleted you completely. Completely. So this Instagram I have had since 2011. Yeah. I have been my life and making contacts and curating inspiration for myself. All of the things that we do online, I've been doing it through this platform, through this account. And I had, I have 5,000 followers. That's not a lot, but they were genuine and they were earned over time. Yeah, no, definitely. (laughs) And those followers were the only reason that I was able to be so successful when I first started. I think that my audience specifically was always used to me kind of flirting with sexuality and being just being a presence and being a visual object. Mm-hmm. Um, let's not cut, let's not cut around the bush. It's um, yeah, exactly. And that's the whole purpose of Instagram. So, you know, you were yeah. good at it and you also brought a different, I think quirkier, more, artistic maybe surreal side to things because you did nude modeling for art and you've just been bringing in Uh so many different aspects yeah so that audience that's been watching you they were ready to buy content (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you know contributing to your quick rise in the top percent for only Mm -hmm. fans yeah and and obviously that felt great um and then i got deleted and as as steep as the rise, so was the decline. Ugh, that's terrible. And so I, I definitely freaked the fuck out. Yeah, I don't blame you. I think um, this happened to a lot of other sex workers too. I don't think they have a platform to speak on it. I think it's really important that you're speaking on it right now and we're going to yes. dive into it because it just kind of erases people and uh, especially for the for the community that is sex workers, we're already pretty invisible as it is and have Ugh. to be as private as possible. Um, we have to sell ourselves and there's not many places to do that. And that yeah. was one of the main platforms where we were allowed to to celebrate it and embrace it and, you know, empower ourselves by advertising ourselves and not having someone else do it for us through the lens of Instagram that is getting more and more restricted by the day. So what was it like? What was the immediate impact that had on you? Like, what were the mental effects of being deleted on, on Instagram, AKA, you know, the planet that we live on digitally? Yes. So getting scrubbed off the face of the earth Mm. is how it felt. And, and (laughs) (laughs) so many ways. (laughs) It's true. I, at first, I was in complete denial because how can you be told that you've that you've been killed? <laughs> right. 
<laughs> How can you tell me I don't exist? Like, I'm right, right. here. I still have my phone in my hands. Like... So I, I, I freaked out and I immediately hijacked my dog's account. <laughs> yes, the infamous bear. Shout out, bear. We love you. Uh, my poor son. He needs a TikTok, honestly. Yeah, you need to just take him to another platform because he's so famous. It won't even matter. Like It doesn't even everywhere matter. Everywhere we'd go in Miami, every art show, anywhere I'd go, everyone would come up to her bear before coming up to her. Oh, my God. And he was just, he's a showstopper. So I can't blame you for taking his platform. I just couldn't conceptualize what had happened. And I tried to turn that account into what my old account had been, which was essentially, you know, advertising for my OnlyFans. And the the effect just simply wasn't the same. Like I I continued to see the decline in in my earnings and I panicked. I really had a rock bottom kind of like soul search moment where I had to disconnect my success with my creativity from my self-worth yeah definitely it's super discouraging and i think a lot of people are facing that because of coronavirus on different levels of like our jobs being wiped away you you included and and i think it's it's even harder with instagram you know creating these guidelines and restricting people and basically playing god yes So that is the thing that's really important that I want to touch on is that we, especially as sex workers, but as content creators, as even just individuals Mm -hmm. who use the platform to network or do whatever you need to get done in your life, you can get deleted. Mm -hmm. So we have to de-platform. Yes. It is in, in, it's imperative specifically for sex workers to have your own personal website where you capture the email address of the people who are visiting your website. It is 100% the, the way to guard yourself against getting wiped out. Yes. Because this was the problem with my business model. I had followers on Instagram, and I funneled them to another platform, which mm-hmm. is OnlyFans. Yeah. Which also, OnlyFans takes 20%. Mm-hmm. Like, OnlyFans is a pimp. Yeah, they are. And then also, like, what if one day their restrictions get more serious and then they kick you out, too? We have to create... I love what you said. We have to de-platform. We have to create websites where we're in control of the content, where the main funnel of information is through our own hands and our own, you know, eyes. Um, Yeah, and I think that people have been talking about this since, you know, that very specific date where Instagram did that. But also in so many other ways, free the nipple has been an issue forever. I know it's a lot more lightweighted of a topic, but it's true. Like we live around these guidelines and we only are allowed to put out and express things based on what other people are saying is okay. And I, as a huge um, advocate for anti-censorship that never has sat right with me, I know it doesn't sit right with many other people that I speak with and we need to get to deplatforming. Yes, I think um, turning to alternate platforms is also important but uh-huh. i think that deplatforming is probably the most effective in the long haul when it comes to um, activism and social work and different content that is being um, pushed all over media 
you know, who has the control to to put out what they want and to maybe restrict themselves from seeing what they don't as well. You know, the 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 things that we're kind of blinded with, it's not really our choice. And then we're also being restricted and limited on what we're allowed to show others. Um, exactly. It, How can we create art under such strict parameters? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's not really possible. So my recommendation to anybody who's starting this journey, if they wanted to make an OnlyFans, I would say that's amazing. Please do that. There are people on OnlyFans who are ready to pay. I would try and direct, especially your loyal clients, to your own website. Mm -hmm. And I would advertise on many social media platforms as carefully as possible for your own website. Yeah, I agree with that. I also hope that, you know, along with OnlyFans, other websites begin to get popular. I'd love to see a women-ran one. A oh, my God. Pers- a queer person-ran platform. Um, maybe something that doesn't take so much of a percent, or if it does, you know, contributes it to an organization that is, you know, helping the betterment of communities, of, you know, those who face discrimination in the sex industry. So many of these platforms that, you know, we use are corrupted and they're hurting us they're hurting us and they're helping us but like just barely more than they hurt us um what is the next step for you to reclaim your space in the digital world and creating content as a sex worker yes so i like i said in reaching my in coming to accept the fact that i had been deleted as i once was uh (laughs) there's been a lot of the ugly work that goes into looking at yourself in objectivity. Mm-hmm. Objectifying your own self. Without the validation of social media. Mm. So I'm out. I'm, I'm just out here. <laughs> yeah. Creating a new gauge of um, attention and... I would validation. Yeah, it's like, you know, I'm doing my self-help books. I'm doing my yoga. I'm I'm going outside and hiking and you know, it's like I am doing all of those things that the former version of me would have been like, "Ugh. Yeah. Okay, get it." <laughs> I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Yeah. It's like <laughs> I'm going to go to, like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. It's like, but you right. never actually get around to doing it. Um, yeah, you're kind of, you know, by force put into the path of like inner work. Which yeah, sobering so much more up. rewarding, to be honest. It was like sobering up from social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if we could so, all use a little bit of that, it would ground everyone. Just a little it bit. It would, but the only reason I did it is because it was taken from me. And mm-hmm. I can't tell anybody in my right mind to say, like, yeah, give up. <laughs> yeah. Like, ah, like, absolutely yeah. not. So <laughs> I hope to be a unique example and hopefully to warn people. <laughs> Honestly, I think you are. And I even think just by having this interview and this conversation be discussed, because no one has talked about it since Instagram did that and all the sex workers that have been kicked off, no one has talked about it. I haven't heard anyone discuss it. And I think you, you know, all of those individuals need to find each other 
strengthen uh. numbers, create communities, find ways that you can create alternate platforms or that you can take the power back. Find ways to unite because the more that you are saying it together, the louder it gets. A hundred percent. And it's tricky because there's so few places where you're even allowed to speak explicitly about mm-hmm. the work that we do. A hundred percent. Shout out Tastemakers for Woo. having this show and letting us be as thoughty as we possibly want. <laughs> thank thought. <laughs> yeah, thank you thought. <laughs> the one and only the um, holy thought. Yeah, in terms of getting back on my feet, I am going to be humbly returning to these social media platforms and starting over and Mm. reaching out to the other sex workers that I know and asking them to feature me and, you know, doing trades like that. I think that's the the best way that we come to know each other and help each other find audience. Mm -hmm. But yes, my, my main project is going to be my website amazing what is your website and what are some of your handles of the platforms that you do have so that we can follow you make sure to spell it out because we are on the radio yes ma'am so (laughs) my website is still under construction but it will be tatecreates.cool so that's me (laughs) t-a-t-e creates.cool i love that (laughs) I love that for a website. Honestly, .com has been dead forever. I don't even know why we still allow her to walk around looking like that. But .com, who's yeah. she? TateCreates.cool? Yeah. All right. And, and what is your OnlyFans? My, my OnlyFans handle is Tate, please. T-A-T-E-P-L-E-A-S-E. Yay, Tate, please. We need more. Aww. And what is, do you have an email address for people who might want to have you direct for them or connect with you and talk about building your audience larger? Because I do think that there's other people who like will reach out to you in regards to oh maybe having their audience come back or, you know, understanding the struggle. If anyone wants to reach out, please. Where can a thousand reach you? percent. That would be my dream is that anybody who has any questions or inspiration or desire to shoot, uh, please reach out to me, TateDirects at gmail.com. Amazing. Can't wait to see some more of your directing in the future. Can't wait to see your suicide girl spread. Congratulations and thank you so much for coming on today. I love you so much. Thank you for having me. I love you, Maya.